This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of our Pro Football Weekly Chicago podcast. I am Hub Arkish, the executive editor and general manager at Pro Football Weekly. We have our managing editor, Arthur Arkish, alongside, uh, as we do every week here on this podcast. And uh, Arthur, uh, another week, another loss, uh, another pile of frustration and questions and very few answers coming clear. Uh, there were a few bright spots last Sunday in the second half. Uh, uh, the offense, after a disastrous first half, found itself a little bit. Uh, the defense played well for the most part when you're on the field for 40-plus minutes. Uh, they did manage to keep the Eagles out of the end zone on all but one occasion. Um, and they found some pass rush pressure. So uh, some of the things that you worry about, particularly against that offensive line, albeit without Jason Peters, um, the fact that they found some pressure was very promising. But then it, it just seems like with this team, you take one step forward, you take two steps back. Now midweek injury report, we find Eddie Goldman on there with a thigh. Uh, we know that Bilal Nichols is still not 100% with his hand. Uh, he battles a knee as well. So, Pretty much everywhere you look with this team, you can still find some questions. Eddie Jackson, I guess, came out of the game a little bit nicked up as well. Uh, as we record the podcast, we don't know for sure who goes Sunday against the Lions and who doesn't. But I think the place to start is, again, when you only put up nine yards of offense in a half of football, something that your organization hasn't done in over four decades you have to continue to scratch your head at how this could be so bad. I mean, it's not just that it's not functioning. It's embarrassingly bad. It's amongst the worst offenses in the NFL, and it is not all Mitch Trubisky. I understand that everybody wants to take the easy route and throw darts at him, throw darts at Ryan Pace, but that doesn't fix anything. I really believe the bigger problem on the offense right now than the quarterback is the tight end position. They get nothing out of it, and when you look at the other two teams running this offense, offense, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles, what do they have in common? Chiefs have the best tight end in the AFC and Travis Kelsey. Eagles have the best tight end in the NFC and Zach Ertz. Bears are getting nothing at that position. Yeah, I was uh, I was disappointed by the Bears' defensive struggles uh, with Zach Ertz only because of some of the specific players they have uh, that are supposed to kind of be the counters for that type of a weapon. But I know that that's, uh, that's me just spitballing. That's not the direction we're trying to go in here. Uh, Hub, I think you could say, though, if it's not the quarterback position, uh, the tight end position has kind of been uh, the epitome of Ryan Pace's uh, – and he's been great building a defense, of course. But the issues that he has have with roster construction, uh, I think that 
tight end has to be near the top of the list. You look at what they spent on Trey Burton and how they've gotten absolutely nothing out of him in year two. Adam Shaheen obviously, uh, you know, was a, a wasted second round pick at this point. You know, go back a couple years, Deion Sims, they get 10 million bucks too. So, uh, I realize maybe the importance of the position has been heightened since Matt Nagy arrived. Uh, but the importance of, of, of the inability to get this position solved has went on for a few years now. All right. Let me clarify two issues. First of all, and I know you, you understand this, but for our listeners, I didn't say it was not the quarterback position. I said it's not only the quarterback position. Did I? Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, no, no. You said if it's not the quarterback position. Well, and yeah, I thought you were going to yeah. go to the offensive line, uh, actually. So we well, can get to a bunch of different stuff here. We're, we're going there too. Yep. But, but the other thing I want to clarify, because I think that there's tremendous misinformation out there about people who just want to be angry and don't do their homework. Ryan Pace has not been that much worse on offense than he has been on defense. He's missed two big picks. He's missed on Mitch Trubisky with the second overall pick in the draft, at least to this point in Trubisky's career. He didn't have to trade up and give away extra picks to take him. And if he had taken him at three, we'd probably be just as disappointed because the apparent mistake was taking him over to Sean Watson and Patrick Mahomes, not where he took him or how he did it. And the other big miss is Adam Shaheen, who never should have been drafted in the, in the second round uh, with, I believe, the, uh, the 45th or the 51st pick. Other than that, Allen Robinson's an awfully nice get. James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, these are going to be very good football players for the Bears for a long time. Tariq Cohn is in a slump. There's no question about that. You still have tremendous promise uh, uh, in, in kids like Anthony Miller and, and, and Javon Wims. And so this idea that, that Pace has done great on defense, bad on offense, I, I, I don't know that that's totally fair. But just to be clear, I'm not spreading that misinformation. Not, I didn't. Okay, I didn't. I didn't point to a whole side of the football, but we're also leaving out some other misses. Well, Marcus Wheaton is, for instance, is an awful miss on a one-year six million dollar deal. Peronis Crisu, I mean, an know, early third-round pick. There are other misses. There's, there's misses on defense too. Is the no part. doubt about because it because you miss. Yeah, you don't bat a thousand in the GM business. You don't. As a matter of fact, when you look at the really great ones, if you bat four hundred, you're doing an outstanding job. I mean, who has done less in the first round of the draft in recent years than Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots? I mean, they they, they really struggle with their their high picks. And yet somehow they always bounce back from him. So, uh, you know, I'm not suggesting that criticism of Ryan Pace is unfair. I'm just saying, you know, let's be accurate in, in where we're throwing darts and, and, and what the actual results have been. At the end of the day, though, where this offense is at right now, they're getting nothing from the tight end position. Part of what they're not getting is even sufficient help in blocking with their tackles who have been exceptionally mediocre because Adam Shaheen is not a Y tight end. The guy who you want on the field for 60 minutes who is both equally good at blocking and receiving, at this point he's not particularly good at either. Trey Burton is not expected to be out there blocking. The disappointment in Trey Burton is that he hasn't been a better supplement to Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel and done more in the passing game. Ben Broniker is probably the Bears' best special teams guy right now. He has been outstanding in coverage but he's more of a U than a Y and really not that good at the U position. The Brad Sowell you know, experiment is, is a flop at this point. Uh, they get some benefit if they put him and Cornelius Lucas out there as their two tight ends and try and go you know, 12 personnel and see if they can block up the run. Uh, but, but for the most part, at the end of the day, they're just not getting it done anywhere on the – I mean, and last week, you know, let, let's call it what it is, Whitehair wasn't awful. James Daniels had a bad game as well. But this kid's going to be a really good center. You can see that. Um, and, and so when you look at why this offense is struggling, on the edges at offensive tackle – 
They're really having a hard time. The interior of the offensive line has been up and down. They're getting nothing from tight end. They're getting nothing from the quarterback position. And there's one other thing that nobody talks about. They're not even good enough at running back right now because when David Montgomery is not on the field, Tariq Cohn has been a non-factor, and Mike Davis you don't really want on the field. So um, it is a complete offensive breakdown, and this is why even when we get to Matt Nagy, and I think he's being remarkably stubborn in some respects and, and needs to learn from that. He's a young coach. We forget that. I think he will learn from that. Um, but but as he pointed out in his Monday postmortem after the Eagles game, this is not just about Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, and you know, and he says that every week, and he's not wrong. But at some point, I just wonder how things could go so far from they have this makeup, they have this look of a Super Bowl contender that can break through on offense to now we the, the offense can't even be tinkered with enough to find what it can do well and how it can just not embarrass itself. And that, to me. Who does it reflect poorly on? I mean, it's got to it's got to fall on someone's shoulders, and I, I'm having a hard time. Well, here, here's here's part of the problem, Arthur. It, it clearly falls on Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy's shoulders. They're the guys running the football operation. Nobody's excusing them. I'm trying to say let's criticize the appropriate things here. At the end of the day, though, when you say Super Bowl contenders, I never thought they were a Super Bowl contender. Now, to be honest, because uh, I'm not trying to hide from it, I picked them to win the division, and I thought that they might improve enough this year to win a playoff game, which they didn't win last year, but going into the season, it seemed pretty clear to me they weren't as good as the Saints, that they probably weren't better than the Rams, uh, you know, maybe the Eagles. That that remains to be seen. But what I'm getting at here is that people forget who did pick them as Super Bowl contenders. This was the NFL's 21st ranked offense last year. This was an offense that was bottom third throwing the football last year. And what did they add to it? You know, what did they do to get better on offense? They brought in a secret weapon, or a special weapon, I should say, in Cordero Patterson. They signed Mike Davis for reasons that escape me. Other than that, this is the same cast of characters that weren't that good last year. And they drafted David Montgomery, who looks like he can make a difference when you give him the football. Mm-hmm. And a fourth-round rookie who has uh, been a healthy scratch in the first eight games in Riley Ridley. We'll see if that changes in the second half as the Bears are officially removed from playoff contention here soon. Uh, I just, you know, and we were talking about it before uh, we, we hit record. Uh, probably maybe some of the best stuff gets left on the cutting room floor uh, or just off air. But uh, I, I, I'm a little concerned, again, that, that Matt Nagy hasn't been able to adjust the offense enough uh, to try and hide the many deficiencies clearly that we've just alluded to uh, and accentuate the very few strengths that he does have. Now, he has shown signs of doing that with David Montgomery's breakout two weeks ago and the loss to the Chargers, um, but I'm talking specifically about an inability to move the pocket. Matt, uh, Mitch Trubisky's best throw in weeks, and certainly Sunday, was the bomb to Taylor Gabriel on the rollout. Not only does Mitch look more comfortable on the move, but if your offensive line is so vulnerable and you can't count on it to pass protect, then you would think that that would help it too. So uh, it's just one of those things. I know you uh, uh, had a little bit of a, a clash with Matt uh, earlier this week on the play calling question too. So that's something uh, that I think can be folded in here too. But I just really believe that the sign of a great coach is a willingness to adapt. And as you said yourself, uh, uh, the stubbornness with Matt Nagy on a few different fronts, uh, it's increasingly concerning as more success doesn't find his team. Yeah. Yeah, listen, one of the things I really like about Matt Nagy is that 
it probably felt like a clash to everybody but me in the room because I didn't want to let it go. Um, but I don't get that sense with him. I, I get the sense that you can talk to him, that he will explain things. Right. What he's very good at, though, is going into long explanations without explaining what you asked him about in the first place. Yeah. And that's what I chose not to let go in this particular situation. And for those of you who missed it, I wrote about it on Wednesday. Um, but it was specifically about his play calling duties. And what was so frustrating to me about it was that any of you who have followed my work for, what, over 40 years now know, I actually get a little pissed when people start challenging play calling because I know more football than most, but I know I'm not an NFL coach and I'm not a play caller. And we as fans and analysts are not better suited to decide what plays to call in what situations because we've never even seen the playbook. We don't even know, you know, what the game plan looks like. So I don't want to go after him for his play selection. It's obvious at times you'd like to see him do something different, but that doesn't mean anybody with what he's got to work with could do it better than he does. What I was asking him about was the reality that in his Monday press conference, he said there was so much more wrong on offense than just Mitch Trubisky. Mm -hmm. Would you be better off not having to focus so much on play calling and be free to be the head coach on the sideline, making game management decisions and watching other things and dealing with other players? It seems obvious to me that this team needs it right now. The first time I asked the question, I, I thought I asked it clearly. Maybe I didn't. He chose not to answer it. He chose to talk about his play selection. I then went back and said, to be clear, Matt, I'm not asking you about your play calling. I, I don't challenge you on that. I'm asking if it would be good not to have to spend so much time on it while the team is struggling. Mm -hmm. He again went back and talked about play calling. He said calling rhythm. And rhythm. And, yeah. and I, I think he was saying that that helps him get into a rhythm of a game. It was pretty unclear, but I'm just trying to... <laughs> He, he probably was answering part of it, but he, he, yeah. I think he knew what I was asking and didn't want to respond. Absolutely. And so finally, the third time I said, all right, what I'm asking you is, would you be better served watching offensive line play or wide receivers? And I got cut off at wide receivers and he said, no, I wouldn't. And we moved on. It was fine. I, I listen, th this guy, um, I give him a lot of points for standing up every week, taking on every question. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times the PR people want to cut it off and save him. And he says, no, let's take some more questions. So there's no issue as far as I'm concerned between Matt Nagy and I, I still think the guy is going to be a pretty good coach. I think people forget that he's young and he's learning and he has to adjust, but he is at a pivotal point right now because if he doesn't make some changes when you're losing, then you're not learning from your mistakes, and then you're probably going to fail no matter what business you're trying to run. Yeah, and, and right now I believe that Matt Nagy has the uh, the unfettered respect and the attention of his locker room still. I think that that is definitely uh, one of his strengths is his ability to lead and his ability to communicate with his players. But that can only last so long too, Hub, if more success doesn't eventually come. And again, if uh, if you continue to beat your head against the wall when something's not working one way, uh, these players are too aware of that. And uh, just to be very clear, I'm not trying to be uh, uh, doomsday here. I think there's not an issue in the locker room right now. I do think the Bears need a win, and I think all these things are are, are obviously connected. Um, and we'll see. You know, they swept the Lions last week. We'll see if this is finally the week it's going to happen at Soldier Field. You know, the hardest thing to get your arms around with any football team—it's not just the Chicago Bears—is that when when great expectations are not met. 
people immediately start to look for all the collateral damage, and they try and use that as some explanation of what's going wrong. And so there has been a rush amongst Bears Nation, amongst fans, amongst some in the media, to try and find some friction in the locker room. People, I almost get the sense sometimes that people want to hear that the defense and the offense are pissed at each other because the offense isn't doing enough. And, 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 and as Arthur just said, let me say this emphatically as I can, there are no signs of that at Hallis Hall. There is no indication whatsoever that there is any friction between the offense and the defense. There is no indication whatsoever that players are frustrated with their coaches, that they're not getting enough for, from them. Players are frustrated with themselves, but what there is an indication of to me, Arthur, and, and this is the hardest thing to get your arms around with an NFL team, is that going all the way back to Bourbon A, this team has not had the same edge that it had last season. It was clear that they had read some of their own press clippings, that they expected to be good. And that's fair because I think we all expected them to be good as well. But somewhere along the line, they lost that edge that allows them to be as good as they can. These guys didn't become less talented a year later. They are not playing and producing to the same level that they did a year ago. And that is the biggest puzzle for Nagy and even Ryan Pace is how do you get them back to that fine edge where they're playing you know, with abandon, playing fast as an expression we've heard. They're not doing any of those things right now. And let's be clear, that's a poor reflection on the coach. And as much as we both are saying we think Nagy is going to be okay here and that uh, and that he can work his way out of it. That's one of those things where that's where you kind of look at first. But I think it's fair to wonder, regardless of what they might be saying publicly, uh, Hub, and regardless of whatever um, sort of, you know, whatever message they are trying to convey, uh, that there's some, if there's some doubt with one side of the football, if you don't see positive results for so long, because we were telling like it was in training camp, Mitch Trubisky was not good in practice really any day in training camp either. Uh, so you can say whatever you want publicly, but maybe that is a contributor in the edge or maybe with the defense dominating the offense on a, de- a daily basis, uh, that edge is starts to, to lessen a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for that either. For more than 70 years, Gracers Plumbing and Heating has served the Illinois Valley customers as a trusted source for appliances and the purchase of energy-efficient products at affordable prices. Call Gracers Plumbing and Heating at 815-882-2111. We've been voted number one in the Reader's Choice for the Ottawa Times, LaSalle News Tribune, and Princeton BCR. Call Gracers Plumbing and Heating at 815-882-2111. We also want to thank all of our other great sponsors here at our Pro Football Weekly Chicago podcast. Our thanks to our friends at Grazer uh, Plumbing and Heating, our title sponsor, as well as all of our other outstanding sponsors. We do appreciate them uh, helping us make these podcasts available to you. We also want to thank our executive producer, John Sally. John is one busy dude. He oversees all of the web content uh, for the most part at Shaw Media and takes time out to help us with this podcast as well. So we are very grateful to him. The guys at Humphreys McGee, our favorite local band who have allowed us to use some of their music for our bumps in and out in our sound beds. Uh, Be sure and catch a concert where you can. They play around town in Chicago quite a bit. You can go to their website to find out where and when. And uh, And let's stick with that idea for one minute because I want to get your opinion and see if you have anything different. Could you think that the the centennial offseason and all the rubbing elbows with the 85 Bears and hearing many of them say – 
maybe this defense can be as good. I mean, I heard you say I already read their press clippings. Do you think that unique convergence of all these things maybe could have been a contributing factor? You know, it certainly could have been a contributing factor. If I could give you a definitive yes or no, then I'd make the case for I should be the head coach or GM of the Bears as opposed to, yep. to Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. It isn't that easy, folks, and I'm not going to pretend it is. I feel bad for Nagy and Pace right now because these are some of the toughest questions to answer in their profession. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it, it has been there to see and, and, and I don't know, you know, how you move on from that. Sometimes it takes something dramatic. And, and that's, I think, what is, is frustrating to a lot of folks is that as you watch this football team week in and week out, we're not really seeing any change. Uh, I mean, the thing I got into with Matt about the play calling, I don't know that they'd be any better if he gave the play calling off to somebody else. I don't know if it would help, but it would certainly be a dramatic We know shift. it can't be worse. Well, you know, you don't even... Produ- Production-wise. Yeah, you, you don't even know that, okay? But I mean... Yeah. I don't mean play calling specifically. I mean the results, the yardage, the points, I guess... Heck, the Dolphins, I guess, are averaging less points per game. The Bears are, what, at 29th right now. So technically, it still can be worse. I think you guys know what I meant. At the end of the day, there is a a, a reason for electroshock therapy, even though some people think it's cruel and unusual. <laughs> and whatever electroshock you need to put through this football team, uh, that's what it takes. And, you know, sometimes that is as simple as personnel moves. And, and, and I believe it would be a big mistake to sit Trubisky down now because you gain nothing. Uh, in terms of, of better play uh, from a Chase Daniel, I'd be curious to see a Tyler Bray later in the season, um, but not while you are still very much alive competitively if you can just get this thing turned around. Um, and yet you can look at some other positions and say, well, what about what we're doing there? Um, I would absolutely like to see them give some of their young people more of a chance. And I think I wrote about this earlier in the week. The tight end position is a disaster right now. Dax Raymond was one of the top priority free agents amongst undrafted rookies this past season. The Bears gave him, uh, by those standards, a, I want to say huge, but a very large signing bonus to get him. He's on the practice squad, and it's because he has the, the, the potential, not the ability yet, but the potential to be a wide tight end. He was more of a receiver at Utah State, but he's got great size. He's got skills. He's a guy who you possibly could develop in the spot where Shaheen is not producing. Get him off the practice squad and get him on the field. Let's find out. you got nothing to lose. Um, I look at the running back position, and I will say this. And listen, Mike Davis is an impressive young man, and I feel bad whenever we have to go after some of these guys. But if he is still a Chicago Bear after Saturday of this week, and I believe that's November 9th, that would be inexcusable because – Everybody seems to agree it's not an exact science. It may turn out to be not correct. It could be a fifth or a sixth round pick. But everybody seems to agree that if they release Mike Davis before the deadline, they'll get a compensatory fourth round draft pick. They need draft picks. They need mid-level draft picks. And Mike Davis is giving you nothing. Again, you, you hate to see it happen. But it's a reminder to every veteran in that locker room that it could happen to them. And sometimes that's the price of success. And I'll go a step further. I don't know. I know they drafted Alex Bars to be a developmental guard, but I talked about this during training camp. He started as a tackle at Notre Dame. In the fourth exhibition game, due to injuries, he was forced to play left tackle, and he handled himself pretty well. I'd put him out there for Charles Leno. If not him, put Cornelius Lucas out there. I'm not saying cut Leno. I'm not saying he's you know he's a lost cause. 
but he is hurting you right now. And these are the type of changes that you make that sometimes don't just shake up individual players, but shake up everybody. And I think it's time for the Bears to make them. If you do release Mike Davis, then you bring up Kareth White. I'd bring up White and Ryan Nall after the practice squad. See what you can do with them. These are things that are available to the Bears right now, and they're not doing any of it. And that's what I think is starting to frustrate some of the fan base. We need to stick with the Mike Davis topic for a minute, and we will. But I do just want to throw in one more name there that wouldn't even be as dramatic. And I don't want to pretend that the wide receivers are um, really even a leading cause of the offense's struggles. But we have seen at times an inability to separate. Certainly we've seen uh, mental inconsistency with Anthony Miller. Riley really was supposed to be pro-ready when he got here. He's been a healthy scratch eight days. I guess I did some pocket, uh, eight weeks already, and I guess I did mention that at the top. But that's an easy move you can make without even having to do a practice squad promotion. Well, but but the problem there is that they paid a steep price for Anthony Miller. Yeah. And Anthony Miller is not someone who you want to give up on yet because he has shown a flash or two. I would give some of Taylor Gabriel's reps to, to, to Riley Ridley. Uh, they're not really going to a fourth wideout. I guess it's Cordero Patterson mm-hmm. who has to be active. You got to keep Cordero Patterson active, but maybe you got to sit down somebody else. And you know, listen, Javon Wims was impressive when he was out right. there. So you do want to see more of that. I think the reason probably that that isn't happening yet is because Ridley clearly is still learning the system and his routes right. and even whims this year. With all the struggles at Trubisky, the one thing you don't want to give them are more players like Anthony Miller where you run the risk of them not being where they're supposed to be. So, Makes sense. Uh, but, I, but I agree. I, I would like to see Riley Ridley because he was supposed to be NFL ready, and I am a little puzzled as to why he can't get a jersey on Sunday. And just, just more size uh, in, the, in the weaponry. I mean, we've seen Mitch just airmailing receivers. Taylor Gabriel is a good player, and he's actually been a bit of an emerging leader on this team, so I don't want to make him uh, again, it's not all about one person, but uh, just get some more size out there. Tariq Cohn is struggling mightily, had two drops in Philly. Uh, it's been up and down with Gabriel, so uh, Ridley's one possibility, but Hub, we do need to get back to the Mike Davis thing here just quickly. No, it's not an exact science. Uh, it's a very complex formula how the NFL decides to award those 32 compensatory picks, and I do want to just very quickly credit Nick Cordy of OverTheCap.com. He He's a friend of the program. He's the guy I rely on the most when it comes to this stuff. Uh, he was part of the impetus for us writing on it a few times throughout the past several months. We've got two Mike Davis pieces up on the site now. Credit to Mike Davis, too, for answering the tough questions. Credit to Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times for asking the really tough question earlier this week. Last thing I want to say on it, an inexact science to figure out who gets these picks, but it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty safe bet that the Bears have a fourth-rounder for Adrian Amos that they can get back by cutting Mike Davis on Saturday. The one thing we can say with absolute certainty, Hub, it has been a decade. It was uh, Joaquin Iglesias, I believe, was the most recent compensatory pick. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. I know it was that draft class, and it would be 11 years uh, if the Bears aren't able to cash in, uh, you know, this upcoming uh, spring. Well, yeah, I, and that Iglesias pick was used well, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, seriously, though, I, like, the kid didn't make it. That, that drought, it. though, I mean, that that's worth. That's the part we should be uh, kind of having making jokes about uh, because the smart teams in the league have learned how to really capitalize on this loophole uh, and just build up their draft bounty. And I think it would really mark a organizational shift for the better if if Ryan Pace and, and company started to show that they cared about this. Arthur, I have not studied it to, to say this definitively, <clears throat> but I'm going to say with comfortable certainty that nobody gets more compensatory draft picks than 
Drum roll, the New England Patriots. You're close. It's the Baltimore Ravens, but it's another class organization. The Green Bay Packers are near the top of that list as well. Well, but that's because the Packers refused to sign any free agents for a number of years. You've got the Ravens and the Patriots do play in the free agency market and yet still manage to stockpile competitive. Well, some teams are getting smart enough. The Philadelphia Eagles and the L.A. Rams, they're realizing they can make some of these trades a year early and then just cash in on the back end when they let these rentals go. Uh, there's all kinds of things you can do with this comp pick formula, but you can't do it until you kind of draft well for a while, get in a position to lose guys like Adrian Amos and Bryce Callahan, although obviously Callahan's injury uh, is different for him this year. Well, the other thing you have to realize is that teams like the Patriots and the Ravens and the Packers have been consistently in the playoff picture, uh, and, and the Rams for that matter, in recent years, so they've had the talent to play with. The Bears, in fairness to them, needed to upgrade their talent first right. before they had the exactly. kind of players Exactly, and, and in fairness get. to Ryan Pace, Bill Belichick and Ozzie Newsome ran that front office for three times as long as Pace has even been in Chicago. So I realize there is not uh, ideal carryover for this, and a lot of this falls on Phil Emery and, and Jerry Angelo, too, in the, in the latter portion of his regime. The, the, the point of the matter is that the Bears have a chance to ensure, help ensure that they can flip it this year. Uh, and Mike Davis is really just taking up a roster spot. Kareth White can bring more juice to this thing. Ryan Nall uh, has more upside as well than Mike Davis at this juncture, you would think. It is impossible to imagine what the explanation will be if they do not release Davis. Uh, That's a good way to put uh, it. You know, unless... Unless there is some formula by which they still get a compensatory pick while keeping him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, the, the whole formula for assigning these compensatory picks, of course, he is, is one of the experts. I, I agree with you on that. Uh, but nobody has it down as an exact science. Teams are, are often caught by surprise when they thought they had something, and it turns out they don't get it. Uh, so we'll see what the Bears do on the Mike Davis front. I, and, I think- and big picture, just I know we're going to move on, but I, I think it's worth just making this clear. You can lump Mike Davis and Adam Shaheen and eventually Mitch Trubisky, it's looking like, together. You need to know when to cut your losses on some of these things and not compound your mistakes. Uh, I just want to make this as clear as possible. If Davis is still on the roster, uh, Ryan Pace is compounding a mistake that he made in March. Well, and and, and again, though, to be completely fair, there is no way that you would cut your losses on Trubisky before the end of this season. No, 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 I know. I mean how they attack the offseason. You want want to see eight more games. Um, Shaheen... I might have thought about, I certainly would have tried to move him before the trade deadline for even a sixth or a seventh round pick. Um, you know, one other guy, people were asking, should the Bears be sellers at the trade deadline? And I felt the answer was no, absolutely not. But there's a difference between make, being sellers and making strategic moves. I think if you had moved Shaheen, you would have cleared space to get Raymond on the field, to get J.P. Holtz out there more, to see what they could do. Right. The other guy I would have considered moving was Taylor Gabriel, because I knew of two teams that were willing to give up at least a fifth round pick for him. And I like Taylor Gabriel a lot, but because you do want to get a, a, a Riley Ridley on the field, a Javon Wims on the field. Gabriel's speed you can now make up for with Cordero Patterson that you can stretch defenses for. I probably would have made that move too. Um, but again, this is me backseat driving, and, and that's not necessarily fair. I think the real test of Ryan Pace, uh, by the way, the reigning NFL executive of the year, comes at the end of this season when, they, when we see how they react to everything that has happened this year. There's nothing that Pace can do between now and the end of the year other than this decision on, on, on Mike Davis. There is a ton that Matt Nagy can do in the last eight games that, that can at least improve the team's fortunes going forward, if not yet this season. And it isn't completely fair to do all of our criticism and focus on the offense. Uh, I think you look at the defense, 
Um, and, and, you know, one of the reasons I was comfortable picking the Bears to be a better football team this year is that I fully expected that Bilal Nichols, Roquan Smith, Leonard Floyd, and Eddie Jackson would all be better than they were last year because they are so young and their ceilings are so high. None of the four has been as good as they were last year, let alone better. And that's why this defense is not dominating the way it did last year. It's not Khalil Mack. It's not the loss of Akeem Hicks. That's a big loss. I am not minimizing that in any way. But people forget their best game of the year was against the Vikings when Akeem Hicks was on the sidelines. So it's more about these young players that have not taken a step forward this year. No doubt. And unfortunately, the trickiest one to analyze is also the most concerning, I think, clearly, in Roquan Smith. Uh we, we still don't know, uh, you know, what happened, what the personal reasons were that led to the deactivation that's led to him not looking like himself. I want to get your take on this, Hub, but uh, – uh, did Roqu- I mean, he took another step back Sunday, didn't he, after looking a lot better versus the Chargers alongside Danny Trevathan. Uh, I thought that assertiveness that we saw two Sundays ago was missing again in Philadelphia. You know, uh, Olin, Olin Krutz and I have, have gotten fairly close in recent years working together on, on the radio at, at, uh, at the score. And uh, we've actually been friends ever since he was drafted. And, and he is one of the football opinions that I respect most. And he and I had a very interesting conversation uh, prior to the Eagles game uh-huh. in that after studying the tape, we both agreed he wasn't that great against the Chargers. He, he was more visible mm-hmm. against the Chargers. He was more animated against the Chargers, but he still missed some plays that he would have made okay. uh, a year ago. And he did not play as well against the Eagles as he yeah. did against the Chargers. And so, um, you know, listen, th- this is an impossible situation because I actually think I have a pretty good idea of what's going on there, but I am not going to publicly speculate about somebody's personal business. You know, mm-hmm. it just, it, it is personal. Uh, he's entitled to keep it personal. It is incredibly frustrating, I'm sure, to not only Bears fans, but to, to, to Roquan Smith and yeah. to his teammates and, yeah. and to his coaches. Um, but without some certainty as to what's going on, I just feel it's wrong to sit here and, and cast aspersions and make suggestions that could also be very wrong. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, what we can uh, analyze, Hub, is what we're seeing on the field. And when your hallmarks are speed and physicality and you're not playing as fast or nearly as physical and aggressive uh, as you did as a rookie and, and as you did all through your high school and college uh, career, then you know that's the, the on-field red flag that we can uh, that we can very clearly see and then uh, unfortunately not know exactly what to make. Well, and the only thing we can say with with relative certainty is that it's not a physical injury because then he'd have to be on the injury list. There would be uh, steep penalties to pay with the league. uh, And he hasn't been yet this year. No, he's never been on the injury list. So so for whatever it is, it's not that. But you know what? He's not alone. This conversation is almost a cop-out because – Eddie Jackson hasn't been anywhere near the player he was a year ago. We're not aware of any issues with him. Do you think other he's getting he's doing... chances, though? I think part of it is that quarterbacks have wised up, and, and I, I haven't seen him. Uh, the, 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 the hit out of bounds last week on Zach Ertz, inexcusable. He got trucked in the backfield by Jordan Howard. His tackling had been better. It wasn't as good Sunday. Um, but I also think that he's not having as many opportunities uh, in coverage and, and to show off his ball skills as he did a year ago. But I guess it's a league of adjustments, and how do you adjust? Well, but Arthur, here's the other side of it. Is I, I did not look at the Eagles stat sheet, but in the first seven games, he had two passes defensed. Adrian Amos has three, I believe. They're not staying well, but neither one of those is very good. I mean, you know, <laughs> well, I know. Yeah, that's not the point. I mean, you know, the point is he is not 
playing as tight a coverage as he did last year. Yeah. And that is costing him chances as well. You know, listen, that's going to have a life of its own. At this point, the Bears are still winning the ha-ha Clinton-Dix-Adrian Amos trade because Adrian Amos has been Adrian Amos with the Packers, much like he was with the Bears. And Clinton Dix has actually played fairly well in coverage. Uh, you knew he was not going to be an in-the-box safety. So that's not the problem right now. Buster Screen has played very well. So yeah. the loss of Bryce Callahan is not the problem. It is the failure to take a step forward of these youngsters, and then you plug in the loss of Akeem Hicks. And again, it's still a top 10 defense. They're top 10 in almost every category. It's not like they're bad, um, but they're not good enough to overcome the shortcomings of the offense and, and probably aren't going to get that much better the rest of the way. Uh, you know, it's funny because Akeem Hicks, I, to me, it's they, one thing the Bears don't do is they don't tell you what these injuries actually are. It looked for all the world like a dislocated elbow when we saw it on the field. That would mean the season, not just until week 15. And yet I saw him in the locker room the other day. He's got nothing on that arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he seemed, I mean, unless he had taken off some kind of brace or something. So it, You must have caught his one locker room appearance since London because he was I've been there almost the, every day. He didn't talk. But okay. I mean, he well, was, no, no, yeah. I know he, and he yeah. won't, but uh, I, I haven't seen it all. I haven't seen Kyle Long since he went on IR either in the locker room. Yeah, it was, uh, well, I don't think Kyle Long has been back in Hallis Hall. That's my understanding. But but Akeem uh, is in Hallis Hall getting treatment, and I can't remember. Remember now if it was Wednesday or Friday of last week, but I definitely saw him in the locker room. Huh. Uh, Jason Leeser of the Sun Times had, had just a brief "How you doing?" with him, and you know he said, and, and we said, "We know we don't expect you to talk. You're on IR. It's just good to see you." Um, and 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 he looked fine. I just don't see him playing again this year. And, mm-hmm. and so if there is going to be a second half turnaround, yeah, the defense can play better. But they can't suddenly manufacture the now, uh, I believe it is, uh, 35 missing takeaways, although they got half a season to catch up. Uh, they had 36 last year. I believe they've got 11 so far this season. They had 27 interceptions last year, and I know that number. They have five this year. Uh, and, and so that, you know, you can get hot, but you're not going to make up for all of it. If there is going to be a turnaround in the second half, it's going to have to come from the offense and we're not seeing anything at the moment to suggest that other than the good news that one of the worst defenses in the NFL comes to town Sunday with Detroit Lions. Yep, it's it's a case of who do you trust less, the Bears offense or, or the Lions defense. Uh, I, I guess if you're looking for optimism as a Bears fan, uh, Mitch Trubisky played quite well against the Lions here uh, last year, actually in Week 10, I believe through three touchdowns, one of his highest rated games of the year. So uh, maybe that's what he needs is a, is a, a refresher, just a, a reminder that he can still do this against some familiar opponents, against a familiar scheme. I have no idea. Obviously, we're kind of grasping at straws here. What I think he needs is some more help from his head coach and, and the play calling, but, um, you know, among among many other things. But uh, uh, we'll see. Like you said, the line's struggling in the worst way. Interestingly, they actually can't even stop the run, which is what they were doing so well uh, by the end of last season after the Damon Harrison trade as Ashawn Robinson uh, continued to, to, to kind of come in uh, come into his own as an NFL player, but uh, they're just getting crushed in that regard too. So uh, whichever way the Bears want to attack the Lions, uh, I think they're going to have options. Um, I don't think, though, it's going to be an Allen Robinson type of game. I think this should be when you look to get Tariq Cohn and a Trey Burton involved, uh, the Lions are very thin and very short, uh, not shorthanded, but just kind of uh, deficient up the middle of their defense. They're much better uh, outside with Darius Slay and, and, and Justin Coleman. Yeah, I, I would not eliminate Allen Robinson, though. I, I think what this offense needs more than anything is a game where everybody shows up. It's mm-hmm. not like you can pick somebody else. And Darius Slay, who is one of the best corners in the NFL, has been battling a hamstring in recent weeks. Yeah. And so uh, 
He's back last week, though, and played really well. He'll be back, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, hamstrings don't just completely go away overnight. So uh, we'll see what happens there. We are out of time with this week's edition of our Pro Football Weekly Chicago podcast. I apologize. We usually like to get to the rest of the league for five, ten minutes. We'll get back there again next week. As a matter of fact, we'll tee up next week's podcast right now. We already know with some certainty that Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston are going to be free agents next year. There is now the possibility of the release of players like Nick Foles, Cam Newton. Uh, it's going to be an interesting quarterback market. Uh, I don't. Drew Brees and Tom Brady uh, are scheduled to be free agents this offseason. It's going to be wild, I think. Those two will either retire or Phillip return Rivers. to the Saints and the, and the, and the Patriots. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm talking about the ones that are, okay. that are real. Um, so there'll be plenty of time to set up all of that. We'll get to more NFL talk next week as well as more Bears talk right here on our Pro Football Weekly Chicago podcast. Once again, our thanks to our friends at Grazers Plumbing and Heating. To John Sally, our executive producer, the guys at Humphreys McGee for uh, donating or not donating, allowing us to use their music to dress, excuse me, to dress this puppy up a little bit. Most of all, we want to thank all of you. If I'd talk a little slower, I wouldn't have the hiccups. Uh, we want to thank all of you for listening. We look forward to visiting with you again next week right here at Purple With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.